Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It's great to be with you. In the Advent season, many things that we can do to celebrate and prepare well for the coming of Christ in our lives. But one of the most powerful ways that the church has given to us Christ's means of clearing away blockages to his coming is the sacrament of penance and reconciliation. Yes, going to confession. We'll talk about that during the first half of the program. In the second half, I have on a wonderful guest, Sister Mary Eucharista, and she's going to reflect with me on the gift of Advent. So lots to cover on this Feast of St. John of the Cross. I'll be back in a minute to get started. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you and thank you that you are coming. We are in need of you. And Lord, we know that there are things that are in the way that hold us back from your coming. Lord, give us the grace today to appreciate the gift of confession of that healing sacrament. Give us the grace, Lord, to prepare well and to confess well. But we long to remove blockages to your coming into our lives, dwelling in our hearts. Uh, we long to eliminate obstacles to our own ability to hear your call, your beckoning call to our lives. Please, Lord, give us the grace to live this Advent season well. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today in the program, it's the Feast of St. John of the Cross. It's actually my brother Joe's birthday as well. So happy birthday to my brother Joe, and pray for him. Pray for my younger brother. I've got an older brother, younger brother, and my younger brother, he's the handyman guy. Uh, More than a handyman. He's the one who inherited all the genetic capability that my dad had at building things. (laughs) I shouldn't sell my older brother short, but whatever happened, it, it sort of passed over me, under me, around me, whatever. Um, yeah, I have continued to experience the gift of humility through an inability to do basic things. But I got to tell you, when I am able to accomplish things that I think most folks find, most guys who are handyman types, who uh, are not afraid of fixing stuff, uh, that when I actually am able to fix something and and go from beginning to end, it is so satisfying. So satisfying to be able to fix something that was broken, to identify what the problem was, to look up and figure out what the solution looks like, and then how you go, go to the store, Home Depot, Lowe's, wherever it is you go, to get the tools you need, I mean, when I go to Home Depot, I I typically have a bag with me and I have every conceivable part 
that I, I might need that is associated with the thing I'm trying to fix. I've got pictures in my phone. I got stuff and, and then I'll lay it all out. And I said, I'm trying to get this to do that the way this video shows here. You see, and sometimes I'll have two or three guys around me all trying to say, okay, I know what you need. And then they'll go and they'll come back and they'll say, put this into this and then orient it like this. And then you'll get it done. It sounds so easy in, in the aisle of Home Depot with three guys around me um, loving to roll up their sleeves and, and say, oh, yeah, you got this. We can do this. Well, today in the program, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be that guy in Home Depot where they call and say, just wait here. I'll send somebody over to help you. In this instance, I'm here to help. I am not a handyman when it comes to fixing plumbing and electrical stuff and other stuff around the home. But I hope, as uh, someone who has been doing church work since 1989 and has all the background that I have in uh, theology and, and ministry, that I can be of help to you in making a good confession. Not because uh, I'm, well, I don't want to say I'm an expert at sinning and an expert at asking for forgiveness, but that I have dug into our tradition and especially St. John Paul II. And I wrote a book on confession called Five Sentences That Will Heal Your Life. And relying on the church's teaching, scripture, catechism of the Catholic Church, and great saints, put together this book to help folks make a good confession. And we are in a liturgical season where confession can be a tremendous help in accomplishing the spiritual good that the Lord has in store for us during this liturgical season. Remember, Advent is about the coming of Jesus Christ into our lives. Jesus Christ draws near to us. And when he draws near to us, he's knocking on the door of our lives. And he'll do so in a way that we can understand. I don't know how many of you had a chance to Listen to some of the reflections that I was offering on Tuesday, the end end of the year uh, campaign at Sacred Heart Radio to raise some uh, funding and donations, and it was on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. One of the things that is pretty striking is that when Saint Juan Diego, who was 57 years old at the time of the apparition, where the Blessed Mother appeared to him on that Payac Hill outside of uh, Mexico City in Guadalupe. And uh, he wasn't looking for the Blessed Mother, but Blessed Mother was there waiting for him. He was chosen for that moment to receive this visitation from heaven in the person of the Blessed Mother. And the Blessed Mother appeared to him in a way that he could understand, speaking the language that he spoke appearing to him like an Aztec princess in his look, in, in her look, her appearance, her dress, the symbolism of, of what ended up being imprinted on his tilma, his cloak, his, his robe, that uh, his poncho, that all of those things were designed by God, not only to convey a message, but to do so in a way that he could understand. And so I love that. 
and, and we ought to consider that carefully and seriously, that God the Father loves you. Brothers and sisters, God the Father is gazing upon you right now with love. And he is, through his son Jesus, and through the gift of his spirit, is knocking on the door of the right now moment of your life. Now, there are times where I say that, and we can say, I don't sense it. I'm not sensing a knock on the door of my life. I'm busy. I'm thinking about a lot of things. And I'm not sensing a nudge, a tug, a pull, uh, some kind of prompting, some kind of, some kind of urge or desire. But the, all of those things are, are about awareness, and in a way in which the awareness of the drawing near of the Lord is nailed to us, is crowded out by lots of other noises, lots of other sort of energy that is going through our lives. And so what can we do to be able to recognize the still small voice of the Lord, the way in which the Lord is drawing close to you. And becoming quiet is one of those ways. Being still. Yet when we're still and quiet, guess what we can be? More watchful. Right? You hear that theme again and again and again in Advent. Be watchful. Be on the alert. Be ready. As the watchman waits for the dawn. Think of a watchman, think of a guard up in a tower, up on a wall, looking out on the, on the horizon, looking to notice any movement from any enemy that might be approaching and waiting the dawn. Why? When the dawn appears, the light comes up, everything's exposed. There's, you're not going to have an enemy make, make a run towards the city during the, when the light, when the, the sun is up. So the, the watchman is waiting for the dawn with this sense of alertness and, and, and desire because I want to I be successful in guarding the city and I want to make sure that there's no one that's, that's imminently coming towards us. Well, Jesus and the scriptures use the, that image to talk about the readiness that we ought to have for the coming of the Lord. He's not our enemy, but he is coming to us. And you know what? He is the enemy of the things in our lives that are inimical, <laughs> that are uh, that are against the Lord and what he has for our lives. But he's given us a remedy. He's given us a remedy so that when we try to quiet down, when we make attempts to settle and silence those busy voices in our head and the busyness of our lives, there are things that just weigh us down. There's a spiritual disease called sin. There are the effects of that spiritual disease that cloud the intellect, that weaken the will, that disorder the passions, and increase the urge towards sin. That's called concupiscence. Those are the effects of sin. And Jesus, the divine physician, has such a passionate, loving care for us that he died for us and wants to make and wills to make his power to set free available to us and accessible to us when we fall short, when we settle for less. That's what's happening in confession. In confession, we are bringing out into the open what we would rather keep hidden. 
those places in our hearts, our lives, the thoughts, words, deeds, and omissions that are part of our life where we've fallen short, we've settled for less, we've betrayed our relationship with the Lord or with someone we love or with ourselves. We've sinned. And church, in her greatest saints, refer to sin as a spiritual disease. A spiritual disease that needs the hand of a divine physician to bring about a cure. And for, since the earliest centuries, we have this gift of confession, of the sacrament of penance and reconciliation, given to us by the Lord through the church, to be able to wash us clean, to set us free, to bring us back into union with the living God, to bring us back into a sense of peaceful coexistence, peaceful union with and communication with the living God. That's the fruit of going to confession. So if we if we have a goal to have a fruitful advent, and, and fruitful means that it's going to achieve its purpose, the purpose for which the Lord gave it to us through the church, which is we are ready. The House is prepared for the welcomed, honored guest. The, the blockages are removed. The junk in the home has been cleared away. And we stand alert and ready for a knock at the door. Confession will do that, brothers and sisters. A good confession will have a tremendous capacity to be able to help bring about the healing of this disease of sin. And there are beautiful and many fruits that come from making a good confession. The first is that our conscience will be formed. When you make a good confession, it will form your conscience. And what's your conscience? It's that secret sanctuary. It's in the depth of your heart where you encounter God and you hear his voice. It's that quote-unquote voice that emerges from deep within you. That's not your own voice. Even if you hear it as your own voice, that prompts you to do or to avoid some thought, some word, or some deed. And we can feel or sense in an interior way, in a spiritual way, spiritual feeling or sense, God's presence, and what is in accord with God, and the dwelling in his presence, and what's not. Paul VI, when he was the Archbishop of Milan, referred to that as our religious sense, and our sense of sin. Uh, St. John Paul II, in his apostolic exhortation on reconciliation and penance, he created this, he, he talked about and, and described this link that's inseparable between the vitality and, and depth of our sense of God and of our sense of sin. Uh, St. John Paul II wrote, he said, the sense of sin is rooted in man's moral conscience and is, as it were, its thermometer. 
is linked to the sense of God, since it derives from man's conscious relationship with God as his creator, Lord, and Father. When the conscience is weakened, the sense of God is also obscured. And as a result, with the loss of this decisive inner point of reference, the sense of sin is lost. So critical this is. Going to confession can, can revive, it can form, it can nurture and grow our own conscience. How critical is that? There's so many other fruits to making a good confession, and I'll talk about those in a minute on Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insights. Tom Curran, it's great to be with you. So we're in this season where if you go to your parish bulletin, your parish website, you should find uh, references to penance service coming up. Penance service, our confessions will be heard during these hours and these hours. I think it's a customary thing, I would call it customary, for parishes in the Advent season offer at least one penance service where the community can come together and there'll be many priests there and you'll be able to go to confession and the entire service will be an attempt to help foster a good examination of conscience. A conscience that that can sometimes be routed and, and clouded and, and diminished through praying together and reflecting together through a good examination of conscience. We can gain that awareness of sin. We can confess and we'll come away from confession with a greater sensitivity to God's presence as well as to sin that's part of our lives. But I said there was more. Another fruit that will come from going to confession during this Advent season is that you will gain strength in the fight against evil tendencies. You'll gain strength in the fight against evil tendencies. And by the way, this... I'm not making up these fruits. This is in paragraph 1458 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And it involves going to confession even when you don't have a mortal sin. Because that's when it's strictly required. But going to confession, even when you're only confessing venial sins, that there are tremendous blessings, there are fruits and graces that are connected to a regular confession. And I mentioned the first one, which is forming our conscience. The second one was fighting against evil tendencies. And any evil tendencies in you, right? That tendency, that that urge towards doing something that is dark, broken, and evil. If we knew that going to confession would lead to that fruit alone, that all of a sudden the tendency to burst out in anger or sarcasm, to become impatient, to fall into a lack of trust and, and 
being afraid that that God isn't going to take care of me to uh, fall into one of the seven deadly sins, greed or lust or sloth or gluttony or or envy, right? All, uh, you know, or we can just go down just through a list of sins, right? The, the, the tendencies we have towards these sins, wouldn't you like them diminished? Go to confession. Go to confession and, and those tendencies will begin to diminish. But there's a third. And the third is, I will let myself be healed by Christ. Okay, did you hear that? Again, we don't often or first think about going to confession as an act associated with healing. It's not an easy thought to go into the sanctuary of the confessional to admit out loud for the things that I'm most ashamed of to the representative of Christ that I'll probably know and that priest will probably recognize my voice and calling that an act of healing, that's that that can feel like a big leap. And it, it, it may not be something that we often maybe have experienced, but let's let's cling to the truth of our faith. Let's cling to what the, the church is teaching us in the catechism about confession. And and the the catechism is not making something up. The catechism is bringing forward tradition of the church. So um, when I say to you, I want to be healed by Christ. I want to be healed by Christ. Well, the catechism says, you let yourself be healed by Christ when you go to confession. Do you know what that implies? That Jesus wills to heal you. You don't have to wonder. And, and then it raises the question, are you willing to let Jesus Christ heal you of the damage caused by sin? Now, it's your fault. It's my fault. Sinning is my fault. I did it. But the Lord wants to heal you. Yeah, yeah, you offended him, you betrayed him, you hurt others and, and yourself, and you wounded the body of Christ, and you inflicted a suffering, a torment upon Jesus in his passion and death on the cross. And you do all of that, and you know what he wants to do? He wants to heal you. He wants to save you. He wants to free you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to make you new. And, and if the sin was mortal, it was deadly to your spiritual life, he will resurrect you spiritually. He will restore you into relationship, living union with God. That's what happens in confession. It's like, I was talking, what, the other day, was it yesterday, about if we only realized, yeah, it was, because it was St. Lucy, light. If we only realized who Jesus was as Eucharist, coming to us as Eucharist, the glory, the majesty, the infinite holiness of God made manifest in Jesus, present as Eucharist, why would we ever miss going to Mass for a day or miss going into a chapel? You could say similar things about going to confession. If we 
got it firmly implanted in our minds that Jesus wants you healed. And in he, he can heal those places in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your will, in your imagination, in your memory, in your intellect. He can heal every one of those dimensions of your life. But he can only heal those who allow them, allow him to bring that healing work uh, to, to, to be experienced. And, and it's like, well, where do I show up? Where can I show up where Jesus is dispensing this kind of healing? It's the confessional. It's the confessional. So when you wonder or guess what Jesus has in store for you when you betray him and end up destroying your own spiritual health, when you feel spiritually dead, go to confession and meet the one, the only one, who can lift you out of spiritual death and restore you. He's dying to heal you. Actually, he, he died to heal you. So please listen to the catechism, go to confession, and let yourself be healed by Christ. But there's more. This same paragraph in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, this paragraph 1458, says that you will progress in the life of the Holy Spirit. You will make progress. You know, you think about, hey, do we have a plan? Well, that plan is an attempt to implement a strategy, and the strategy is, is a path that takes us from where we're at to where we're called to be. So here's our current reality, but that's not the ideal. That's not the vision we have or God has for our lives. That vision involves removing all kinds of blockages and leveraging all kinds of gifts and graces to get us to that place where we'll become a saint fulfilling our God-given mission. There it is. That's the call. We are called to make progress in the life of the Holy Spirit. What does that even mean? Well, we don't have time to unpack it all, but let's just say that your whole spiritual life is about growing in the life of the Holy Spirit. And so, if you're going to experience a fruitful confession where you're able to cry out these five sentences that will heal your life, that's the name of my book, Confession, Five Sentences That Will Heal Your Life. What are the five sentences? I did it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'll make up for it. And I'll never do it again. Those are the acts of the penitent there are these acts of the penitent. And then there's also the act of, of God, God the Father in confession. So I did it is confessing, right? That's self-accusation. I did it. I'm sorry. That's contrition. Uh, forgive me. That's asking for mercy. That's reconciling. That's God's action. God's action too reconcile us through ex extending mercy to us in Jesus. I'll make up for it. That's satisfaction or that's doing penance. And then I'll never do it again. That's resolution. That's the resolution to never sin again. And do you have the ability to do that? Do you have the ability to accuse yourself, to bring out into the open that shameful part in your life where you're guilty? Not just to accuse yourself, but to say, I'm sorry for it with deep contrition, with a sense of disgust over what I've done, to ask for forgiveness, 
forgive me. I did it and I'm sorry. And I'm asking you now, putting myself in your hands. Please, I don't have the ability to cause my own forgiveness, but will you forgive me? And I'll make up for the damage. That's where penance comes in. It's uprooting the sin that I've sown into my life. And I'll never do it again. That resolution. Do we have the power? No, we don't have the power on our own to do that. But making progress in the spiritual life, making progress in the Holy Spirit, that, that's something that will allow us to make a fruitful confession. I love that. And so we really and truly need an intimate and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit, with that person of God. And as I reflect with you today, I, I, I've already kind of shared with you the way in which the Holy Spirit is going to give us power, a capacity to live out an authentic, healing, life-giving confession. Now, there's another fruit too. Yep. If I read to you this section, without being strictly necessary, this is again, paragraph 1458, without being strictly necessary, confession of everyday faults, venial sins, is nevertheless strongly recommended by the church. Indeed, the regular confession of our venial sins helps us form our conscience, fight against evil tendencies, lets ourselves be healed by Christ, and progress in the life of the Spirit. Isn't that cool? That's what I've been reflecting with you on. Listen to this last one. By receiving more frequently through the sacrament, the gift of the Father's mercy, we are spurred to be merciful as he is merciful. Okay, you didn't hear it. Let me say it again. By receiving confession more frequently, by going and confessing more frequently, the gift of the Father's mercy is what is given to us. It is what is manifested to us. It's what's communicated to us in confession. We are spurred on. We are motivated. We are led. We are activated to be merciful towards others as he is merciful. Now, you think that this Advent is going to be a powerful gift, right? A powerful gift. And, and I say to you, yes, I, I, I hope it is. Well, maybe we can realize that some of the biggest boulders that get in the way who are welcoming the presence of Christ in our lives are either the sins that we have committed or the impacts of those sins on our lives. And so the Lord offers us a tremendous mercy. And that tremendous mercy has not only the effects that I've already mentioned, but there are other effects as well. This effect of spurring on to be merciful. Now, you know, in my opinion, one of the most needed and most difficult challenges we face in life is showing mercy to those who have hurt us, especially to those who have hurt us very deeply. And that's often, not always, but often those 
who know us and love us that are supposed to be loving us the best, our own family members. And when that happens, our wrong inclination is associated with justice or vengeance or even malice towards that other person. We want evil to be heaped upon them. We want to get them back or we want them to pay the price, right? Justice, vengeance, or malice. And what's mercy saying? Mercy is saying, I'm going to show favor to someone who deserves the opposite. That's what mercy is. Mercy is when you show favor to someone who deserves the opposite of that. Is that easy? No, it's supernatural is what that is. That, that is not naturally within us. And yet the capacity to extend forgiveness to others, to show them mercy, is precisely what will grow in us the more we go to confession. Are you tracking with me? Well, why? How? How, how is it the case that I'm going to become more merciful by going to confess towards those who have offended me? Not just, oh, maybe offended me, but have offended me? How? Well, it happens because a regular confession, and when we start making a regular confession, I'm encouraging you to do that this, this Advent, it, it's going to bring us face to face with the living Lord, our loving Father, with the Blessed Trinity, who shows us, shows me, continuous mercy and offered me nothing but forgiveness when I failed him and when I brought him my failures. And so how can I continue to go back to the Father of mercies and ask for a fresh start and a new beginning in confession regularly and refuse to extend that same grace, blessing, opportunity to others? And the shorter answer is, I can't, and I won't. And I'm telling you that you know, you might be thinking that that just that can't happen in my regard, or that is so far away from what I imagine possible. But I'm going to ask you to just trust me in this, that the Lord's desire to heal you extends all the way to that place in your life where you're spiritually sick with anger, resentment, a desire for revenge or malice. There are some people spiritually sick with these things because of the way that people have sinned against them. And I don't have time to get into it today, but the healing power of the divine physician extends even to that dimension. I know I've talked about that before on the program, the way that that purification of memory happens. But that's a gift, not the work of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, Sister Mary Eucharista is going to join me and talk about the gift of Advent and, and her experience of, of how her Advent is going. Hope and pray that reflection on confession was a blessing to you. 
We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Sister Mary Eucharista. Well, I want to welcome to the program Sister Mary Eucharista. Sister is a sister, a sister, a religious sister of Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Church. Welcome. How Thank are you, you sister? Thank you so much. Oh, I am doing splendidly. Thank you. Yes, you are. Sister, <laughs> you had a chance to, uh, well, let me say this. So you just had a chance to go speak at the Chesterton Academy of Notre Dame last week and on the feast of, on the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. And my daughter, Annalise, was there and you know, I'll ask her, oh, how did this talk go? Or how did that talk go? And she's like, nah, yeah. But you, <laughs> sister, I said, she, she said, oh, Sister Mary Eucharista was there. And I said, oh, how did she do? She said, I really liked that talk. She was, it was really good. I got so much out of it. <laughs> well, that's, sister, that's well Thank done. You. Thank you. I really enjoy high school kids. It is my niche. And uh, I, I haven't had my teenage fix for a while now. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I, you should make that a regular part of what you do. Uh, yeah, then I mean, they won't appreciate anything I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that you have just that basic reality of high school kids, especially kids that are going to a Catholic school where they're having religion class or theology class. It's sort of like I've heard it all. And so being able to have, I, I want to say it's not this way, it's, it's your vibrant witness. It's the enthusiasm well, that is uh, a manifestation of the union that is there that you have with the Lord that manifests itself. And when you speak that, that that's, what's compelling. That's what's moving. Thank you. Well, it better be because if I'm living my religious life, then it needs to be able to shine out there. But another neat thing is one thing I always looked forward to whenever I had guest speakers in my classroom, because I did teach high school for 23 years. It was something that I really depended on those people who I brought in to reaffirm those things that I was teaching anyway. And it's almost like the kids were looking at it with new eyes and saying, hey, he thinks so too, or really that's the case with her as well. Just like our teacher. Wow. Well, that's cool. And no matter what age the kids are, they're, they're interested when they hear it coming from a stranger. So I think. It's so I'll good. tell you what, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I know that attempting to catechize my own kids. Um, it's amazing how they'll say something like, Oh, sister Mary, you could have said this. I've never heard that before. And I'm like, <laughs> Grumble, grumble, grumble. Wait a minute. What do you think I've been telling you for the last 14 years of your life? How did you not hear it when I said it, but somehow sister says it and they get it? It's really, it's a striking phenomenon. It is. And I think it's important because we need to have other people coming in and reaffirming for kids at no matter what their age. In fact, our new, uh, the, the new um, development director and marketing uh, officer within our own uh, group here at Immaculate Heart brought her children one day to lunch and I walked in and I sat down with my lunch and I started to, so, to say grace and I just made the silent sign of the cross and their grandmother who was also with them said oh sister we haven't said grace either would you lead us in grace so I started over and I said it with them but just right after that the, uh, her daughter looked at me, she's probably four years old or so. And she said, oh, are you Mary? And um, I was so touched by that. I said, I love you. <laughs> and she hasn't forgotten it either because um, the kids now say grace with that renewed 
knowledge that, wow, we're not the only ones that say grace before meals. And I could tell by the way they made the sign of the cross, her son and her daughter. It was just very uh, deliberate. You know, you could tell they had, they had worked on this. Their grandmother was right there to affirm it. Their mom was there. And also the whole staff all of whom are not Catholic. So it was great to be able to be a witness right there in front of them. And no matter what you're doing, kids are on the lookout. If you're a fake witness, they know it. And they're going to spot it and they're going to tuck it away for later because they're all ears, they're all eyes, and their senses are out there to know, is this witness real? And if they are, that's a help for the faith. If the witness is not real. That is not a help for the faith. Mm -hmm. That's very powerful. Now, sister, let's talk about something that I think folks have heard me say on the radio for the last week and a half. And we need a fresh voice. We need some of that special Sister Mary Eucharista uh, charism here to help folks who are now, believe it or not, halfway through Advent. Unreal. Where we just it's so fast. I feel a little bit robbed by the calendar this year that it's really only three weeks. It's not four weeks. I don't feel robbed. <laughs> <laughs> it just means it's like, it's like spending quality time with your kids. If you can't uh, spend a lot of time with them, then it's an, it's a little alert note to spend more quality time. And I think that, you know, the first, second, third, and fourth weeks are here even though they're shortened, I think it needs to be more powerful. And for me, that means it's going to be better because it's in God's time. And the present moment is the perfect moment. And by the fact that God gives us shorter or longer times, it means we have something to learn with those shorter or longer times. Well, actually, that that's pretty telling. And it's uh, uh, I'm feeling a little convicted here because it it feels like when I have four weeks or close to four real weeks that, all right, if I'm a, I'm a slow starter, I still have time to kind of catch up. Sure. But now I'm feeling like, oh, wait a minute. I just crest, crested the top of the hill. Now I'm on the downward slope. And all of a sudden, I'm going to hit Pink Candle Sunday, right? Yep, as, yep. It's, as it's affectionately known. And it's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where did this time go? I, I'm still trying to get my bearings and my footing on um, living Advent well. So you're going to have to help me out here, sister. Now that you've prophetically convicted me, let's uh, dive into how your Advent is going. What are themes that are important to you this Advent? What's on your mind and heart as we have a chance today to talk about this great gift of Advent? Well, thank you, Tom. <clears throat> I'm really honored to be able to speak to this. And I know that, yeah, that pink candle, that Gaudete candle is about rejoice. And I think it's always a good examination for us. Rejoice and uh, Alleluia and Hosanna and joy, joy, joy. The, the scriptures are packed with these beautiful, beautiful uh, words that you know, the prophets waited. I remember looking at an old St. Andrew's Missal where the it showed a picture, you know, like a drawing, those those Kramer drawings that are, or Dick Kramer drawings that are so eloquent. And it's got prophets going like this, you know, all the way from the time of Adam and Eve, all the way up to uh, the time of uh, Zechariah and um, John the Baptist, uh, looking to the coming of the Lord. And I think this is a time where we can get that theology of waiting down and understand that when we're waiting, uh, 
for something? What is the urgency of our prayer? And that picture of those prophets looking to the distance and not seeing Christ in their own lives yet. Um, you know, uh, Simeon, when he held baby Jesus in the temple, said, Now thou dost dismiss thy servant in peace, O Lord, for my eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared. And it's like he held Jesus. I, I, I kind of think, you know, they say that as, uh, Simeon was um, 200 years old. The world, I mean, our present world hasn't seen a person that's 200 years old. He must have been so frail. I mean, imagine if he had osteoporosis and was just trying to hold it together until he got to hold Jesus. But imagine his old eyes looking upon the savior of the world and knowing this is the savior of the world. And then having to look up in the beautiful gaze of this baby God's mother and then tell her a 15 year old, you know, your soul also a sword shall pierce. So this is a bittersweet time, but it's also a time where we have to just sharpen our senses, get going and know that this is a time where we pull out all the stops in preparation. If we don't have an Advent wreath that we light and pray over every night, if we don't have a Jesse tree that starts on the 17th and going till uh, the 24th of December, this is our time to really start getting those things ready and excited about maybe getting that tree out and start. I remember Pope Benedict talking about this is when we want to, you know, the, the 8th of September or sorry, the 8th of, of December is the date that in Germany, they begin to pull out the Christmas tree and start decorating and, you know, have the Advent wreaths and really start working towards this mounting celebration of the incarnate word. This is where our whole world is celebrating the winter holiday, which is so uh, mundane when you think about it, but they're trying to be all inclusive and whatever. But at the same time, we have the greatest reason to celebrate. And Jesus is the reason for the season. And this is where we get to, uh, like I said, pull out all the stops, get moving, put on ornaments intentionally, and know that if, if we got the tinsel out and the kids can maybe make a little sacrifice of charity and then put a piece of tinsel on the tree, maybe there's something that way that, or you know how they say the cotton balls in the crib of, of Jesus have a little, you know, like a pick out of a jar, a nice act of charity you can do for your brother. Uh, give him one of your uh, favorite things instead of um, grabbing it from him. Put a cotton ball in the manger little, little kids, maybe, I mean, big kids like this stuff too. Let, let, let everybody get in on the, on the work and, and the play of preparing for the Lord, but, you know, um, spending time in quiet, really, uh, this silence is so important for this season. It's a season of rambunctious noise. Uh, you know, you've got everything from Christmas elegance to, uh, socials and dinners and fun times, and it should be celebratory at the same time in our own hearts and in our own uh, homes, we can have that, that time of, as the church calls it, joyful expectation. It's not a time of gloom and doom. Yes, the purple is there, but it is joyful expectation. And I don't know about you, but I love expectation. And when I can anticipate something like a trip or something that's exciting and fun, it, that's half the joy right there. I don't want to, I don't usually 
want to be surprised into it, although surprises are fun too, but Jesus did surprise the world. At the same time, he also gave us his only son. And this was, nobody expected what God gave us. It, it's too great. The abundance is too great for our little minds to fathom. Sister Mary Eucharista joining me today. She directs programs and retreats, special events, and she provides spiritual direction at the Immaculate Heart Retreat Center here on the South Hill of Spokane. The website where you can learn about events happening there, upcoming retreats, days of prayer. Uh, Taze, that you're doing an hour of prayer on, on this Sunday. Is it this Sunday that's coming up? Uh, which I, I love that. That's a, that's a, is that, I don't know if that's an initiative for this particular season of the year. Uh, that website is ihrc.net, ihrc.net, Immaculate Heart Retreat Center. Sister, lots of going, lots of things going on there. And I think when you are talking about Advent and living Advent well, um, the idea of going to a place that's different, going to a place that's set apart specifically to help nurture. Um, one's relationship with the Lord to express that sense of expectant waiting. I, I think that that's a that's a powerful way to do that. I agree with you, and I, I, I strangely I see more Protestant people coming to the retreat center for silent retreats, individual silent retreats, than I do Catholics. Really? Um, yes, it's very interesting. In fact, they come and they ask me to explain the mass and to. They go to mass with me. They, they, uh, you know, we talk, we do spiritual direction. And, you know, when people come to the retreat center, they can have spiritual direction as part of the package and they have all their meals made for them. They get to just come and release and relax and not have any responsibilities. And they can turn off all their technology and just be in the presence of the Lord. And of course, we have two beautiful indoor chapels and two beautiful outdoor chapels and people can roam the grounds. They're beautiful. Um, they can uh, just spend time hours upon hours in the chapels and it's complete quiet. There's the little Holy Spirit chapel that is upstairs in Rossage Hall. Then there's the large chapel that is more resplendent and it's brighter, but they can also dim the lights to make it very intimate and beautiful there as well. But Jesus is present in the Blessed Sacrament in both of those indoor chapels. That's so beautiful. Well, this Sunday, folks, if you can make it, uh, there's this Taze evening hour of prayer from 6.30 to 7.30 in the evening. And I, I uh, sister, for, uh, um, for a lot of years would listen to different Taze, I, I guess, I, I mean, I call them Taze chants. I don't know if they were originated oh, there, uh, but some beautiful, I, it, I would use it to help me um, settle into quiet prayer. Yeah. Um, and so I found that so helpful. Um, and so I, anyway, so, so I love that idea that it's going to be um, happening live. Do, do Now do people do you actually have a music ministry that performs it or do you listen to like a, a you know, a digital version of, of, a, of, no, no, Taze we do, uh, we do it all live and it's um, a, a, a beautiful group that comes together and practices before they do it. And then they, they just do it with a full heart. You come, you just release all of your, 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 there's no announcements. There's nothing. You just, they just begin and they do it through the whole hour and then there's no words said and then you leave after it's over. 
And um, that is a, a wonderful event, as is uh, as are the the three, you know, the the three p.m. Uh, the two p.m. adoration and uh, three p.m. mass every Sunday. That's offered in addition, and that time is just open for people to come on a Sunday as a free little retreat lit, if you will. <laughs> and there's nothing said during those times either. And the the music is, uh, you know, there's just you know, the presence of our Lord in a quiet place and exposed for you to adore our Lord. And then that Sunday mass that if you haven't gone yet, or if it's an extra mass for you, it's great. Um, and Paul's there playing the music as well during that quiet 3 p.m. mass. Um, Father Max uh, is there. Um, we've got the three day, uh, the three, the weekend retreats that, that happen here. And January, uh, we have Father Wade Menesis, who is a pretty popular EWTN speaker, but he's a, a very special guy, and he's offering a weekend retreat from January 19th through the 21st, and I really, really hope that people hearing this will spread the word. Um, if anyone wants a flyer about that, um, just make sure that, uh, you know, we'll, we, we've got them here at the retreat center, we'll send them anywhere where, the, where they would like them sent, and uh, we would really in, in, invite you to come. Well, and, and he, uh, he, uh, but, but last year he had a chance to, to talk about the four last things, one of his books. And then he was out here, I think it was in January as well. Yes. And, and I'm pretty sure the retreat was full, Yeah, um, which is, which no surprise, no surprise yeah. that it would be full. And this year, this January the 19th and 21st, talking about the most holy Eucharist gift and sacrament. I love that. Me I, you know, too. He is, he's a really really solid teacher, very organized, systematized, and yet also provides solid, solid, like solid food, solid yeah. spiritual food. So that's yeah. a tremendous gift that he's going to be out here in the, in the Spokane area. And you can uh, come in the, the joy of him coming on retreat also is that you'll see him in person. You can talk to him. You can hobnob with him at meals. And um, he's actually very funny. And you would really enjoy just the humor that comes from this guy. I did not expect him to be funny because on, on the radio, he's typically very, very straightforward and very, a little solemn even. But when you see him in person, he is hilarious. This guy's fun. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's what you bring out of him, sister. May oh, I, no. I, maybe the... <laughs> might, might be, but you know, the second I brought him into the retreat center, uh, he right away reached out to Chris and, what? You're the voice that talks to me when I, I, I'm getting ready. Wow, look at you. This is awesome. And he, of course, he's super enthusiastic. You feel like he's going to jump out of the po out of the lectern right at you there. But he's just, he's a lot. He's a lot of human being just coming at you there. That's so awesome. Well, sister, I appreciate, uh, we have unfortunately a shorter period of time to talk today, but uh, I really appreciate having you on to offer some reflections about Advent. And uh, we have to have you on again soon, where we can talk a little bit longer. We can get um, uh, a, lo a longer set of reflections about this great gift of, of Advent. Maybe we can even have you on next week. Uh, we can, we can get a little, because we have some expectant waiting. Some joyful way, expectation for yes, Sister we Mary do. being on the program. <laughs> oh, <laughs> for my spouse, Jesus. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, for yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're yeah. preparing the way. You're, pre well, you're kind of a John the Baptist. We're all so. doing it. <laughs> nice. nice. Thank you so well, much, Tom. Sister Mary Christa, thanks for being with me today on the program, and we'll look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you. Advent blessings. <laughs>